You are worthy of my praise, Jesus. Uh, there is no object in this world that is worthy of my praise, but you are worthy of my praise, God. I give you honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. How many love the Lord here tonight? Amen, amen. If you're not having fun b being saved, you better get saved. A lot of people think, that, you know, there's three forms of salvation if you really look in the Bible. You have initial salvation, you have progressive salvation, and then you have ultimate salvation. Three different kinds. Just because you get the Holy Ghost don't mean you're going to heaven. And if you ain't having fun, I know you ain't going to heaven. So you better get a smile on your face and get a little joy in your heart and get a little love for your God and have some fun at church. Amen? Amen. That's what I'm saying. I, I, didn't, I don't come here for doom and gloom. I come here to talk to Jesus. I come here to... Brother, Brother Sims walked up to me. Man, he was just excited. You know, it's awesome. Just a testimony from Sunday night. He said, you know, how many doctors you, you went to? just amazing you go to doctors for weeks and then you have a church service like sunday night and the guy that doesn't really matter all of a sudden just figures it out and all this pain she's been having all these issues she's been having all of a sudden it's just a little simple surgery it's not much, nothing much and it's gone and it's just gone god just reveals that and that's a miracle whether you think a doctor a doctor finding out is a miracle or not i believe that's a miracle i believe I believe God's got it all under control, and I've had just about as rough of a week as anybody else. I think it's, I don't know what it is about summertime, but it's just like that sometimes. And it's been, it's the heat. Well, I like the heat better than that freezing cold. He's a bear. <laughs> so anyway, regardless of that, how many believe God's got it under control? My situation, my trial, my circumstance, it doesn't matter what it is. He's got it under control, and I'm going to let him take care of it. it, it he's just going to do what he, knows how to, what he knows to do. In Jesus' name. All right, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 18, we're going to read verse 1 through 6. And we'll be hitting a couple others, Jeremiah 19 verses 1 and 2, and then Jeremiah 19 verses 10 and 11. Just to set just a small stage for you, we'll start at Jeremiah 18, verse 1. We're going through 6. If you're there with me, say amen. If you're looking at it on the screen, say amen. All right. The Bible says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. Everybody say potter's house. There will I cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred. Everybody say marred. In the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel. As seemed good to the potter. Not to the vessel, but as seemed good to the potter. Okay, so um, as seemed good to the potter to make it. 
Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, this is Jeremiah, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. If you could turn to Jeremiah 19, start at chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Go and get a potter's earthen bottle, and take of the ancients of the people and of the ancients of the priest, and go forth into the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is by the entry of the east gate, and proclaim there the words that I shall tell thee. Everybody say, Take the, take the vessel to the valley. Okay, just I want you to know what we're talking. Then go to Jeremiah 19, verse 10 and 11. Verse 10 and 11, and it says, Then shalt thou break the bottle in the sight of the men that go with thee, and shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Even so will I break this people in this city, as one breaketh a potter's vessel, that cannot be made whole again. And they shall bury them in Tophet, till there be no more place to bury. I would like just for a moment in time tonight to preach this message from the potter's house to the potter's field. If we could, pre- if we could just pray real quick and ask God to speak to your heart tonight. Jesus, we come before you. We ask for open hearts and open minds in this place, God. We pray right now by your power and by your strength, God. You do a work, God, only that you can do, Jesus. Help us, God, tonight to understand your word. Let the word come into our hearts, God, and let it bear fruit in our spirits and in our lives from day to day. We love you and we give you honor. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And could you clap your hands one more time and just shout and thank God that you're on the potter's wheel. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Bear with me tonight as I woke up this morning with an extremely sore throat. I've been trying to get it under control all day, but it is it has definitely been giving me issues. I want you to realize, though, that in this text in Scripture that we read, the valley of Hinnom was where the potter's field was. The Lord had Jeremiah proclaim two powerful points from two different places. One place was in the potter's house. And the other became known as the potter's field in Matthew 27, 3 through 9. That valley of Hinnom in Matthew 27, uh, verses 3, if we'll read that, became as the potter's field. It says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and he departed, and he went, and he hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for to put them into the treasury, because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore, that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field 
as the Lord appointed me. This was a prophecy that was coming true. And if you would connect the dots, Jeremy went to a place, he went to a valley, and he prophesied something that would not come to pass until Judas took blood money. And that blood money with that was purchased a place of death. A place where once you were broken there, there was no coming back from. It became the potter's field. See, what happens is if there is a vessel in which a potter makes or a potter is using and, that, and it gets marred too much to the point of it can't be repaired anymore. There's just no hope for this vessel. That potter will take it into a place and break that vessel because it, it, it's not what he wanted. I hope you can follow me tonight. You have to realize that it's astonishing the consistency of the Lord here. God Almighty had Jeremiah prophesy destruction at the very place that would later be bought by Judas' blood money. One question you might ask tonight is, how do I get from the potter's house to the potter's field? Or at what instant does God change His position of speaking to us from being at the potter's house and speaking us to that of molding to a place of the potter's field where I'm completely broken and there is no molding, there is no mending, there is no coming back. You ever wonder why some Christians can continue to serve God regardless of the circumstance they're in, but others will fall one time and never walk back through the doors of the church? You look at some men and women and they can fall and they can sin, but there is something about them that they can stay in the house of God and they can continue and you wonder how do they keep coming back and others who have fallen or their character or something has just, has just gotten out of control and their mistake has just been more than what they think they can handle and they, they go outside these church walls and you never see them again. If we were to count the number of people who have been in our church... And they are no longer here. And they are no longer at another church. That number would be high. But what is the difference between someone who comes back to the potter's house and someone who ends up in the potter's field? I feel the Holy Ghost. You look at this scripture and the first picture was a marred vessel on a wheel. It was still tender. And it was still malleable. It was able to be worked. It was almost to completion when a flaw was found. It was almost ready to go out on the mission field. But then a flaw was found. But because it was yet tender, the potter was able to remake it. That potter, that potter was able to redo something. We become marred by sin or by our own character. Sometimes we make a mistake that will forever change our destination. And other times, it's simply our character that gets in our way. We think we deserve it. We think we should be there. We think we should have that respect. Yet our character has gone in the way and we have not given that which is on the inside to God. We may look pretty nice on the outside to everybody else because they don't know about that secret sin that I'm doing over there. 
And, and we may present ourselves to everybody else as we're the man. We're all right. God's using me. But, but over here, in all reality, we are marred up and scarred up. And you have to think about this. We become, our characters will get in our way. And it, and it, and it really, it changes where God is going to take us. Either way, in these situations, though, I will tell you, if you have a character that needs worked on, talking from a guy who has had a character that needs worked on, and God's still working on this man's character. I'll just be honest with you. I, I, I ain't perfect in any way, shape, or form. I won't attest to be. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm at the bottom. Paul said it best. I'm, I'm the chief among sinners. And I believe I would hold that with, with Paul. I don't believe I'm much of anything. But God, I will tell you this, either way, whether you have sin issues in your life or you have a character flaw, God is a master at taking ordinary clay and making it again. He can take anything that's tender and remake it. It don't matter what situation you've been in. It don't matter how far down you think you have been. You might have been a, had a gun to your head. But God can take you and remake you if you are tender. If we will give God the clay of our life, He can make something beautiful from something ugly. How many marred and ugly vessels have been wasted because they were not yielded to God? You think about this. I, I, time after time, I've known, I've known of at least three instances where men and women sat in this sanctuary and the power of God came down in a mighty way. They thought, and they did not respond to God. They did not worship God. They did not yield to God's Spirit, only to walk out these doors and be killed. There is a place of yielding that I want to be. I don't ever want to get to the place that I think I'm all right. That, that's just a little sin. I'm telling you, I don't care how big or little that sin is, I want to yield it to God at an altar every time I commit it. He can change us. He can make something that's so ugly, so beautiful. He says in this old house of Israel, can I not do unto you as this potter? You know, God looks at us and He begs us and He pleads with us, Brother Krause. And He sees our heart. He sees exactly where we are. Don't you think you can hide from God? I know. I'm not, I'm not dumb. I know I can't hide from God. If He can do a miracle, He can see my heart. If He can, if he can do things that are just astonishing to us above anything we can think, He can, he can know my heart. Don't you think for one minute that He doesn't know your heart. He knows our heart. And He sits there and He cries out to us. He says, Oh church, my church, my bride, won't you just let me take your life and put it in my hands? Won't you just allow me to make you what I want you to be? 
So many of us get an idea in our head of what we want to be, but we don't allow God to make us what He wants us to be. If we would realize that it's not what I want, but it's what He wants, and wherever He places me in His kingdom, that's where I'll serve. Because only when I'm in my correct place, I'm going to feel satisfied. I'm going to feel happy. Oh, house of Israel, cannot I not do unto you as this potter? Can't you trust me enough with your life to put it in my hands? How many of us try to, we try to solve our own problems? We get into financial situations and we, we, we do everything we can to get out of that financial situation instead of just saying, God, I'm just going to give you money. Crickets. I'm not kidding, Brother Krause. If you want to give, you'll be given too. It's just the way it works. We get into healing situations. We need healing in our body and we need a miracle to take place. We go to every doctor there is and then last resort is King Jesus. O house of Israel, can I not do unto you as this potter? (laughs) How many times does God look at your life and say, why won't you let me help? Why won't you give me a chance? Just trust me. Let me mold you. Stop building a kingdom for yourself and allow me to build you. Why don't you, if you'll stop building your own kingdom, you'll start building my kingdom. God has a purpose and He has a plan for every life. I don't care how many amens I get out of this, but God has a purpose for your life. Don't you ever think anything other than that. I don't care how much depression you have. God has a purpose for your life. I do not care how low you think you are. God has a purpose for your life. I don't care how far you think you've gone. God has a purpose for your life. And the fact that you're here on a Wednesday night shows, shows me that God can use you. He has a plan for your life. Um, at our prayer retreat, I was honored to have Sister Dean come and talk to us. And she is a, she's, she's one of my heroes in this church. I haven't, I haven't been able to spend a lot of time with her, but I got to, last Wednesday I got to go out to eat, and we sat there and yapped for an hour and a half. It's past Brother Dean's bedtime. He was looking at her like, lady, let's go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He was in on that conversation. We had a good time. And she, would, she came to the prayer retreat, and it was amazing. She talked about your purpose in life and the plan that God has for your life. And I can't do what she said justice. She's got so many years of experience that, that are backed her and so many years of prayer. But, you know, I look, I look at her and I say, you know, if she's saying that, she's in this and she's still here. You know? And you look at that, and we think we know a lot, but I... It, it, it's just nice sometimes to say, I don't know a whole lot. Can you just teach me? Just, yeah. just, just, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go right here. Just, just tell me what I need to know. I don't, I don't want to figure it out for myself, but, but grab the Sister Deems and just say, give me wisdom. She, she said she went over ten different things that, that it was pretty neat, ten different things you're never going to change about yourself. But as, as she talked about these ten different things, and I couldn't tell you what they are, but I just know there's some things you're never going to change about you. Okay? Never going to change your height. 
Never going to change who your family is. I could have her testify and tell me all ten off the top of her head, and I know she'd have it right there. But there's some things about yourself you're just never going to change. But you have to realize, regardless of whether I, I just have to be okay with that. And when I become okay with me, then God can begin to mold me into what He wants me to be. And, and in it, you know, really, it's, it's like this. I'm never going to step on the potter's wheel until I'm okay with me. I'm never even going to get there. He can't, he can't even mold me. He can't change my character because I, I just can't step on that place because I'm not okay with me. We, we, we condemn ourselves and put ourselves down so much, but we have to realize we are the children of the King. And when He came to this world, He did not seek after all of the high people. He went to the lowest people on planet Earth and said, this is who I came for. You realize it doesn't matter how low we've been. You know where you were before God. You're a lot better off. Don't, put, don't judge yourself from where you came from. You're a child of the king. And every child of the king deserves to be on the potter's wheel. I know sometimes our sins and mistakes and our character flaws can mar us and those marred lives, can, they can be mended. The potter can still rework us if we believe he can. If you're still pliable and you're soft and you're tender-hearted towards God. And only if the moment your heart gets hardened, just like Pharaoh, his heart was hardened, and because of that, ultimately death came to Pharaoh. And that's what happens is the more I harden my heart to God. Let, let me put it in our terms today. The, the more times I resist coming from the pew to the altar, the more times I don't lift my hands, the more times I don't repent, the more times I allow that hardness in my heart to just callous over, it is those times that I'm getting closer and closer to the potter's field. I'm getting to a point where my heart is going to be so hard that God can't even work in me because He's not going to change my will. He's not going to come to me and make me all fresh. I've got to stay pliable and moldable. I've taken, I've taken my, ch my children's Play-Doh. I hate Play-Doh. Can I get an amen? I can't stand... But you still play with it. You wouldn't. I can't stand that stuff because my children are like, let's play with Play-Doh. And they've got these four big element things that you put Play-Doh in and press and turn and move. And you can never get the Play-Doh out of there. And after it's dried up and hard, you bang it on your table so it all falls out. But I don't know how many times I've went and I've had a, a thing of Play-Doh only to open it up and it's hard as a rock. And my Malachi, did you not put the lid on this again? Jamin? Amen. <laughs> Haven't I told you a hundred times that when you're done playing with this, to put it back in and put the lid on it? It's the same way God talks to us. He walks down, Brother Jake, and He says, didn't I tell you 
to keep a lid on that? Because when your lid's off that, you're able to do anything you want. I told you to keep that lid on that. I, I told you to keep that fence where it needed to be. I told you to, to keep where I can still do something with it. Because once it's hard, the only place for it is the trash. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something. What you do by hardening your heart and what you do by sitting in a pew and not worshiping God and sitting there and talking and laughing and texting on your cell phone and, and not paying attention and not wanting the Word of God in your heart. You sit there and you take the blood of Jesus that was shed for your sins and you throw it in the trash. Every bit of blood that He shed on Calvary, you take that blood and you say, It's worthless! To me, I'm throwing it away because that blood is precious. I would go one step further to say the thing in your life that keeps you pliable and keeps you moldable is a constant prayer life saying, apply the blood. Apply the blood. Take the blood and put it here again in my heart. Because if I let my own work happen, it's not going to be good. I'm going to dry up. And this heart's not going to be tender towards you, God. But don't let me forget Calvary. Don't let me forget what you've done. Because I want to stay in the potter's house. I want to stay in a place where I'm with you. I want to be molded. I don't want to be thrown away. But I'm afraid in this last day, in this time that we're living in, God is not going to give us that grace over and over again. He's going to get to a point in our lives where we are no longer moldable and He's going to walk away. I know it's Wednesday night, but God gave me this message for a reason. It's only by the grace of God some, some men and women are even sitting in this church. It's only because he, he reached down and grabbed your life and grabbed your heart and plucked you out in your sin-ridden condition. And we have the audacity to come back into the house of God and sit on our butt. I'm not kidding. We sit there. I'll put it in the English term. We sit on our bum. We sit on our buttocks. And we don't worship God. And when it's time to pray, we don't pray. And then we justify not even coming. We justify not giving. And I'm not just talking about our money. I'm talking about our lives. I hope somebody grabs a hold of this tonight. You gotta know. You gotta be pliable, but you notice this too that the potter made, he made the vessel. He made it again another vessel. He didn't make the same vessel that you were the first time. A lot of us we go out and we'll sin, or our character flaws are so bad we get up to a position and we lose it, and God will not remake us to go into that same position. You, may, you won't have that same anointing. You think you deserve it because you've repented, but it doesn't say that He made you the same vessel. 
It says He made you another vessel. You need to think about these things. And I know sometimes our mess-ups can damage us from becoming what God wants us to be. But also His mercy takes us on the wheel where He can still make something lovely of us. And I would rather be made lovely than not be made at all. I may not have all my dreams and aspirations, but I'd still rather be on that potter's wheel. And I'd still be something in the kingdom of heaven than nothing in the kingdom of the world. I don't want to throw that blood away. You know, you think about this story, it ought to inspire every soul that has goofed up or sinned or fouled up their life. There was a principle that God was trying to get across. The principle of the second chance. There's more than just this. You, you look though, I have, a, I, have, I have a little more, I need to keep going here. But repentance and obedience can save you. It can. And, and you may get to a place in your life where you don't think you can, you can come back. But if you come to a place of repentance, and you come to your pastor, you come to your leaders, and you submit and you get in a place of obedience, that is, that is salvation. Just because you receive the Holy Ghost is initial salvation, but there is progressive salvation that you have to continue to have in your life. That's why God gave us repentance. That's why He said that every time we sin, His blood is shed anew. Because that blood's got to be shed all over for my sins again. You look at Jacob. He was a lying, deceiving person in the Old Testament until he wrestled with God, until God made him a new man. And then all of a sudden, he became a powerful man. His name changed from from Jacob, one vessel, to another vessel, Israel. And an entire kingdom, an entire nation was born based on his relationship with God. But it was only because he was yielded. Some of us want our relationship with God to be the climax of it. But what you don't understand is Abraham never seen the nation. You may never see the ultimate anointing of God in you, but if it is in your children and in your grandchildren, then it's worth it. Manasseh was the king of Judah. He did terrible and wickedness, but in his old age he turned again to God of his father Hezekiah. And in his latter reign was known for his goodness. He was known as one thing, but God made a new vessel. And he was known for something else. You know what he didn't do? He didn't waller in self-pity about where he came from. He didn't condemn all of his actions. He found a place of repentance and obedience to God's Word, and God made him a new man. He changed his character. David was marred by adultery, murder, and hypocrisy, yet still God had a use for him. In Psalms 51.11, he cries out to God, Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He was getting to a place, he said, I'm desperate to be with you, God. I know you've anointed me, God, and I do not want to let go of, your, of the relationship I have with you. God heard the prayer of David and he was restored. Peter called to such honor, yet he responded with a cowardice. I, I didn't know him. He rejected Jesus in the very thought of Jesus. I don't, I don't know him. But God yet used him. And he became a rock on which we stand on. 
he, he had the revelation of what the rock really meant. He really did. He said, Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. What rock was he referring to? The rock of the revelation of who Jesus is. He realized that Jesus was God. And the church is built on that revelation. John Mark, he was a complete failure in disgrace at Perga. Paul refused to let him go again, but something changed. He repented of his weakness and became useful in the kingdom of God. Some of us in the church, we want to be used and used and used, but we've got to find a place of repentance and obedience. We really do. In 2 Timothy 4.11, it says, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Something changed in John Mark's life. His character was one way, and it was weak, and he had some issues going on, but he found a place of repentance and obedience. And God changed that character. The list could go on and on, but the point is, not everyone makes it to the wheel. Not every single person makes it to the wheel. Not every person makes it to a place of surrender. Mold me, use me, do what you want in me. Why are some reworked and others are shattered and cannot be made whole again? What causes a person to go from the potter's house to the potter's field? At what instant? And we really don't know, but we have a couple clues. You look at Jeremiah 18 and 12. And it says, and they said, there is no hope. They made a proclamation. There is no hope, but we will walk after our own devices and we will everyone do the imagination of his evil heart. Hopelessness is a mindset of the ones who cross the line from grace to judgment. I just don't see how God can love me after all I've done. Hopeless. I'm such a bad person. God could never forgive me. Hopeless. I come here to tell you tonight, God is a God of hope. Romans 15, 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2, chapter 25 says, For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope because thou will not leave my soul in hell. I'm going to tell you what, God is a God of hope. He will not leave you in a place of hell. He will not leave you in a place where you are stranded and desolate and hopeless. If you will find a place, and I don't care where you are, and get on your face. If you're in the middle of a bar room, you get on your face and cry out to Jesus. He'll meet you there. said, if you make your bed in hell, he'll, we, He will be there. He's a God of hope. All you have to do is believe. You have to get your mind on Him instead of your sin and your problem. We make our sin and our problem so big in our life. Instead, we should make our God big. Isaiah 26, verse 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth thee. If I was to ask everyone in this place, do you trust God? Your answer would be, yes, of course. But when it gets down to it, when you're in that situation, do you really trust him and put your trust in him? 
hope I'm making somebody think. After they got a hopeless mindset, then they made another mistake. In Jeremiah 18.15, it said, Because my people have forgotten me. You want to know what? A lot of us sit on these pews and we have forgotten where God has brought us from. We have forgotten where He has taken us from and we sit with a self-righteous spirit and condemn all those in sin and yet such were some of us. You know what? I'd rather go eat. I would rather go eat with, with the dirtiest, nastiest, drug addict, prostitute. I don't care what they are. I'd rather go sit and have dinner with them than some upright righteous, self-righteous church person that thinks they're better than everybody and thinks that I can't believe they sin. I'm going to tell you something. If there's sin in your life, there there are people who love you enough to keep it to themselves. And they can help restore you back. And they can help put safeguards. And they won't blab it to everybody. Dear Jesus... You look at Jeremiah eighteen fifteen, and, and he said, Because my people have forgotten me, they have burned incense to vanity. You know what vanity is? Thinking more of yourself than what you should. And they have caused them to stumble in their ways from the ancient past to walk in paths in a way not cast up. The pathways our forefathers set for us cannot be altered. Don't try to change the doctrine. Don't try to change the way you live your life from the way the apostles lived their lives. If Peter did it, and Paul did it, and if Jesus did it, then I want to do it. I'm not going to settle for some self or man-made religion. But they forgot God in their minds and then lived in vanity and unstable lifestyles. You think about it. That's a serious issue. Romans 1.26 says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust one towards another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. You reap what you sow. And a hard heart will put you right in the potter's field. These people, and it says, and if you go into verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. These are powerful truths. Homosexuality, homosexuality consumed them because they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. They did not like what the Word of God said, and they justified it. And if, it, if you think that's any different than saying, I'm okay to wear makeup, and I'm okay to wear jewelry, and I'm okay to go out in public immodest, and holiness doesn't matter anymore, and I can justify, justify my way out of every single uh, situation, then you're wrong. Because the same way that they justified it in the Bible, and all of a sudden got caught up in their self. That's the same way that churches get led astray and they're given a place for the enemy. Don't take your protection away. You look at these four things. They got hopeless. They didn't believe God was good enough. We do this in our lives. These people got hopeless. Then they forgot God. 
They didn't pray, they didn't read the Word, they didn't fast, and they didn't worship. They stopped coming to church altogether. Then they burned incense to vanity. Everything became about them and they didn't care about others. Their eyes were turned inwards. All about me. All about me. It's all about me. And then they turned against the only Word of God in their life, the preacher. Jeremiah 18, 18, you don't believe me, read it. Then said they, come and let us devise devices against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come and let us smite him with the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. Don't think you can constantly try to find fault with the leadership of this church so that your sin can be justified. When you turn against the preacher and you say, I don't believe what he's saying is right, then you might as well put yourself out in a potter's field. Your heart's so hard. It's the final stage of mentality before going from the potter's house to the potter's field. The Lord said to Jeremiah in the valley of Hinnom, Break the vessel. The music can come. He said, Break the vessel. I could plead with you tonight. Do not get to the point where God has no other use but to break you. Great men fall because they are prideful. And if you allow your pride to lead you, you will come to a place where God breaks you. Stop thinking that you're okay and begin to realize that you need to be on the potter's wheel. And the only way you're going to get there is in a place of surrenderance and obedience. Don't just come out of habit. Don't just come to church out of habit. I have to. It's my obligation. Don't pray out of habit. It's my obligation. Don't fast out of habit. Don't give out of habit. I have to. But give out of love. Pray out of love. Fast out of love. Sacrifice out of love. Romans thirteen eleven. And that knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep. I wish somebody would wake up tonight. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Some of us have been this a long time, but I will tell you that the coming of Jesus Christ is closer than it's ever been. It's closer than it's ever been. And if you've got sin in your life, you need to get it out of your life. I don't care what sin it is, it's not worth hell. It's not worth the potter's field. You need to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Verse 12, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. It's saying take the character that Jesus has and get it on the inside. He made an example. He was on the wheel. He created a life, an example for us to walk after. Take that life and put it on yourself. Walk after the footsteps of Jesus. You've got to get rid of that fleshly desire no matter what it is. If it's greed, grab your checkbook and start giving. If it's jealousy, start building people up. If it's hate, 
start loving. If it's pride, start being humble. But fight and stay on the potter's will because there's no place I'd rather be. And as long as you haven't crossed that line, there is a remedy. Isaiah 55 and 6, and I close with this if you could stand. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Guys, don't wait till it's too late. Don't wait till you're so far down in your situation. He's not even near. I'll tell you what, He's near right now. Let the wickedness forsake His way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And He will have mercy upon him and to our God. For He will abundantly pardon Abundantly pardon. Abundantly pardon. Abundantly pardon. I can't say it enough. It doesn't matter what that sin is. If you're still pliable, if you're still moldable, He can make another vessel. Oh, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I wish somebody would come to the realization tonight that I'm not above my God. That I need Him more than anything else. I need, that th- I need His thoughts in my life. I don't need my own. I want His. But I'm opening an altar tonight. Pastor Robertson said earlier that we need to give God His time. I tell our young people all the time, do not rob God of His time. This is one of three services in a week. It's His time. I open up an altar tonight, oh Jesus, to someone who wants to get back on the potter's wheel. To somebody that needs to be remade and reworked. Somebody that their character isn't quite lining up and they need something tonight to help them. Maybe you've been struggling. You've not been, over, been able to overcome something in your life. I'm asking you, will you get on the potter's wheel tonight? Will you run away from the potter's field? I'm asking you, call on God tonight. Because He's near tonight. He might not be near tomorrow. He might not be near on Saturday. God may be far away. You don't know what's going to happen. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, somebody needs to to listen. If you feel like you need to pray and you feel like you need to worship, you need to get on your face. I don't care if it's in your pew or at this altar. You need to get on your face. You need to find God tonight because He's near and He came for a purpose tonight in our own lives. I don't care how long you've been in this thing, you better make sure your heart's tender towards God. Oh, Jesus. Let's close our eyes and lift our hands all over this place and allow God to just move. Jesus. Every, every, every head raised, every hand in the air. Can we just allow God to have His time for a minute? I will not rob you, God. I will allow my worship to come forth. In Jesus' name.